Hello, everybody. My name is Danny Grant. I am an artist, a drawing and painting instructor. I live in Austin, Texas, and I would like to welcome you back to the studio. This is the place where I interview and talk shop with other professional artists, and we get an inside glimpse into their daily lives as professional artists. So this last week I was in Miami at the second annual Figurative Art Convention and Expo, also known as FACE. And once again, it was a lot of fun. I got to meet a lot of great people and uh, reconnect with some people I met last year. So that was really cool. And I got to sit down face to face with Casey Baugh to record this interview. Um, Casey, uh, as an artist, uh, needs no introduction. Um, he could not have been nicer and uh, more engaging. And I think you'll all enjoy this interview. So here it is, my chat with Casey Baugh. Um, Casey, thanks so much for doing this, taking the time. Super short notice. I really appreciate you stepping you. in here. Thank you, Danny. This is going to be fun. So I wanted to start with um, just talking about what's going on for you right now. Um, so where's your studio? What's the studio? What type of studio do you have? And what kind of work are you uh, producing in that studio right now? Yeah, so... Uh, I'm currently living and working in Williamsburg in Brooklyn and uh, sort of a live workspace which is I found over the years is something that I'm happier doing the space is separate from it's sort of under I live upstairs and I have the studio space under underneath I'm happier doing this in, in a way just because although well although it's still technically connected there's a separation, but at the same time, I feel like I can sort of, I'm just a few steps away from the studio. So any given moment, you know, inspiration strikes, I can run downstairs and be in work environments and make a mess, you know, yes. be in that zone and then pop back up and be sort of away from the, from the studio for a moment. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I like to ask um, people that I interview is, and you just made me think of it. Is if you have a, from the answer you just gave, sounds like you may not, but if you have a, a, a basic um, schedule, kind of working schedule, uh, you know, any time that you wake up every morning, a routine that you get into before you get into the studio, um, or is it just, you know, you kind of take the day and work, you know, work when you're feeling it? Or how does that work for you? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I guess it's mostly based on sort of feeling or listening to my own sort of body at the time. However, there, there is, it's, I guess it's sort of like I'll create sort of a plan for the week, a, a, okay. sort of a loose plan. Like I need to accomplish this, this, and this. Oops. But which days that happens, I'm not really sure. I kind of sort of psych myself up for at the beginning of the week and then let sort of the, the way I'm feeling that day dictate how, which is coming first. Maybe, maybe let's say I have to finish a painting in, in the week or finish mm -hmm. a project in this week. Well, the first day could be I wake up and I feel this is, today is the day to paint. Today is gonna, but, but sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes I gotta get out of the studio and maybe catch up with some friends. Maybe I'm in desperate need of a good conversation sure. with a buddy, someone's in town, or maybe gotta hit a museum or, or, or it could just be a day off to sit with my thoughts. A lot of, I hate to use the, necessarily the word meditation, but there's a lot of, yeah. I'm going to use quiet time. 
Yeah. Oh, which, which I rely on a lot before bed and even in the, in the when I wake. I'm not going to say in the morning because I don't wake necessarily up all the time in the morning. But there's a lot of quiet time happening after I, I wake. And, and that's sort of, it's almost like I'm letting everything, it's processing time, mm -hmm. mental processing time. I'm digesting and processing the day before, processing how my body feels, processing how my mind feels. And then using that as sort of a, a springboard to accomplish whatever I need to accomplish that given day. Because I'm finding that if I, although it's nice to have a little bit of this resistance in life, a little bit of that uncomfortability, still nice to run with this sort of inspiration that day and accomplish whatever that might be, whether sure. it be painting or not, or traveling around, gathering reference, working on a different, experimenting, you know. So that's kind of the way I work. And, and as far as, you know, sleeping schedules or whatever, it's basically, again, it's, I listen to my body. I wake yeah. up when my body wakes myself up, unless I have a meeting or something, you know, which sure. I have to wake up. There's no sort of alarms. I just wake up, work, I'll get my coffee, do my little quiet time, Take some notes, maybe answer some emails, mm -hmm. or or avoid some emails. Yeah, sure. And uh, <laughs> and work until until I can't keep my eyes open anymore. Try to try to get a, a, like an hour or so of a book, like some book in, and then crash. Nice. So that's kind of my life <clears throat> at the moment. Yeah, no, that's that's um, that kind of quiet time. I think is is essential and. Um, I know for me and probably for a lot of people, that's uh, one of those things that's dwindling um, in our lives. But um, it sounds like you make a, a conscious effort to protect that. I think it's necessary. Yeah. I think that we, we can't we can't just we can't process without yeah. we, we live life all all day long and sort of it's almost going in one ear and out the other. And there's not you know, we need to have time to think and to process and to feel and to to visualize mm -hmm. in a way, visualize. And that's sort of a daily thing to almost like reevaluate. Like it's almost like a weekly or almost a daily thing yeah. to see what I've learned from yesterday, how that changed me as a person, and what that means for the future and the plans that I have. And then you slightly alter the plans. But you can't process or vision, you can't do that without quiet time away right. from everything and every, you can't even do it at the coffee shop. It's like, complete silence, no external stimulation to just sit with, with everything and then reevaluate even your life in general, yeah, you know, sure. my life in general, making sure things that I'm doing are still what I want to be doing, seeing if something I'm not doing is something that I want to be doing, and maybe seeing if what I'm doing I could be doing more efficiently or in a more creative way or, I don't know, sure. pure, more pure way, I guess. Sure. Are you a writer when you're in these moments? Are you are you writing down your thoughts, or are you more more just kind of meditating, sitting? I think the meditation comes first in that moment, and then after the med meditation, I'll, I'll say the meditation period. That's when I will pull the notebook out, make some notes. Not sort of during, but during even that's distracting. Taking notes during meditation will be distracting. Oh sure. Yeah. It's more just think it through, organize the thoughts, and in, in the mind, it's almost like you see this. I see this sort of large table, sort of a three-dimensional table in my mind. And you have all of these sort of activities and thoughts and this sort of an reorganization, a reorganization of these thoughts. Then after that meditation session, it's, then I see them clearly. 
and whatever has whatever new information comes in that sort of goes in the notebook of like okay i need to be doing this differently this is cool this is good i've learned this i'm on the right path i'm on the wrong path here okay let's go through the day now <laughs> nice and do you have a uh, a set prescribed time i'm asking a lot about this but i'm just i happen to be interested in this um do you have a, a set time that you will um meditate for or is it just kind of when you feel like that session is uh you know has been productive you kind of come out of it uh, i guess it sounds weird but I, honestly it's, it's almost i do it twice a day it's sort of a morning ritual or my morning ritual mm-hmm. whenever i wake up and then an evening ritual i'm not sure which one they're both a little different though it's but I'm not sure which one does what exactly. The morning ritual is almost a recapping of the night ritual. Uh, I guess I'm just con- I want to constantly stay in touch with myself. Yeah. That's really what it is. Yeah. And and the morning and the evening are the best times to do it because I'm either lying in bed or in a ch- you know in sort of some sort of seat chair in my studio. And those are the quietest times. Either when I'm falling asleep at five in the morning after a painting session, it's completely quiet in the city. I hear nothing. No one's bothering me. And then waking up the same way, and I sort of have this, my windows are sort of really curtain darked out, blacked out in my bedroom. So I can just sort of sit in this sort of silence. It's almost like a think tank in a way. Yeah. And those are the two times morning and evening to sit in this think tank and then get up and, and go about my business. Um, and there's always times during the day you're thinking and making notes, but yeah, it's sure. never as pure right. as those two moments. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> um, so I want to talk about um, how you're <clears throat> just go about producing uh, any given painting. What's what's the process um, basically from start to finish? Uh, are you like a thumbnail guy? Does it start there, or you know, the photo shoot painting directly from models? How, how, what's what's that look like? Yeah, it's it's pretty much everything and all of that. Yeah, yeah. All, during the meditation times is when I. Ideas for this stuff too, and, and all throughout the day. I mean, that's sort of a non-stop action every day, all day long. Is I'm noticing and trying to be very in tune with my, almost tasting with my eyes, and noticing things, and that'll be inspiring. I might take a note, do a thumbnail, and then maybe the next day after that process for a while, I might. Uh, Decide what it now what what it takes. Let's say uh, I'm working on a paint like recently. I'm working on this new series that's sort of very keeping it sort of secretive for my upcoming solo show. And for for these specific paintings, it's requiring a little more preliminary work. Yeah. Um, so thumbnails, and I have to go out and maybe buy some props or something and purchase these props and sort of organize them in the right um, uh, set them up in the right way. And so are these like. Um Still life elements that you're incorporating? Sure, a little okay. more still life elements in some of this on a large scale, um, painting large scale for these. And it's, uh, it's props, and then it, then it comes into, you know, we're, we're not really, I'm not a painter, really, it's more, I like to think of a manipulator of light. So with these props, then bring them to the studio and then spend a full day just playing with props or people under light, under mm-hmm. different types of light. And that sort of evokes this, these emotions. Uh, and then that will be sort of phase number two of, of preparatory work. Okay. Finding the right light to amplify the, a certain story. And then phase number three might be another quick painting sketch to then work out the technicalities of how it would be painted. 
and then I guess then production the way I think of it is then that's the execution of the the painting itself okay. or of the object itself you know which sure. in the news in the new show for the first time I'm going to be branching out to unveil a series of three dimensional art pieces oh, well. not to say that they're even sculptures sculptures but it's uh, more three dimensional almost. Um, borderline interactive art pieces. Oh wow! And that's gonna be that's exciting for me now. So it's it's more a little more hands on, uh, and even so, so I'm thinking pre production production of these things. And I hate to make it sound stale, like it's not the creation of art, but I think it's the same thing. Yeah. And then afterwards, you have the post production, which is now the object is finished, and now what you truly know what it means because you can have a plan going into it. But then the canvas always comes back and says a little something different. It's right. like, well, you thought you were making me look like this, but I'm going to tell you a little bit something. <laughs> There's something else you're missing here. Yeah. And in the post-production, it's like you sit with the painting or the piece, the art piece, and you let it tell you what it, what it truly means. And then you sort of document that because that's just as important as the piece itself. I mean, people want to know, I want to know. Some, some sort of extra bit of story around this in a way mm -hmm. that could make you think of it in a different way or even flip something around on its head. Uh, and that's such a fascinating part of it as well, even something as simple as the title of the piece, uh, but specifically the story behind it. And I know you can get into these circles. I used to think like, well, the painting itself should say everything on its own without any story. Right. But I'm coming to find Visual out... Visual medium, it yeah. should speak for itself. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> I'm finding, though, that what, what excites me and other people's work it is about that object, but I'm finding that that's, there's more to it and there's a deeper, almost more excited story happening in addition to that. And this comes down to this sort of... I've come, I've, the, I think of it as these three points. With every piece of art... You have the art itself, which evokes some sort of feeling or emotion. But then whenever I see something like this, I want to know two extra things. I want to know who the person was that created it, because okay. you can't detach those. Sure. I want to know about them. What, what are they about? Who are they? They can't just be no, no one. They can't hide. I want to know about them. And the third thing I want to know is why they created this piece. Okay. Those three things actually amplify this this the full experience around that that art piece and i think then again so going back to the post-production you have the, the piece then the last two things come down to the post-production which one of them is the why i want i want to i want to actually know why i did that uh -huh. and document that for for others to see and when it comes down to who that's something that i guess I'm not really, there's no way to really curate myself, but it's more of like know myself, like know who I am sure. and document that so that I can be very clear about who I am because it's too easy to, uh, it's too easy to maybe distract from who you are. And that could come down to even, you know, what you say, what you wear. Like I could have in my mind the, who I am very clearly, but yeah. maybe just not thinking that I happen to throw something on or, or say something that is not a, a pure example of who I am. And that's actually misleading people accidentally. Do you think part of that um, kind of who you are part of it attached to, uh, you know, a given piece of art, is that something <clears throat> that's kind of, I could see that coming from 
let's say, um, uh, one of a meditation session that you have and you have some, some certain insight about, you know, the way you're feeling about something uh, in that moment or, or whatever's going on in your life. So I guess my question is, um, that who you are, that, that's, I mean, there's a, there's a bigger who we are, but then there's also a who we are in that moment, in that, like, this week, this day, um, is that, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I guess I see, I see what you're saying. I, I guess those are sort of sub points under who you are. And whenever we look at who anyone is, I suppose we can project these three points as who they were, where they are, and right. where we imagine they're going. Sure. And that's under the umbrella of who they are, right. in right. a way. And that's obviously something to think about, you know. And, and not, not, again, not to curate, not to, not to sort of invent this person so much as to be clear and honest about it. And that's right. harder than, than it seems, actually. It's too easy to be distracting. Sure, for, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's a, so it's a, it's a thing that could be... Um, could be a very vulnerable thing for you to put out there because um, I, I think whoever whoever we are, I don't, know, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but it just seems like um, it's such a thing that's evolving or um, not in a way that you're changing your core beliefs or your core values or, or something like that, but especially as it, as it pertains to a, a, a given piece of art um, that came from a very particular place, a particular thought, mm. a particular um, something you were inspired by. And, right. and then that, that becomes a part of who you are now um, based on that experience. <clears throat> I don't know if that adds anything. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it's funny. You mentioned the word vulnerability or vulnerable. That's uh, I, I think there's, yeah, I mean, we're always in transition, and it's not easy to to open your heart and mind in a, in a completely open way to to the world. Although I feel like that's um, very much what should happen, but that's my opinion. Yeah. But speaking of vulnerability, though, I'm recently going through something where, as I just mentioned, the three dimensional art object. So right. when I was a kid, I was extremely into. Uh, many, many, many different creative projects. It wasn't just painting. It was, mm -hmm. it was paint was one of the fifty things that was just part of the creative act. Uh, the creative act of almost, in a way, of communication with other people. It's like you, you, you could make something that can do that can be a, a communication method or object. And, and this goes anywhere from like you know films, films and photography. And, 3D game, little interactive. I used to have this little game that I would build where you have to, it's almost like a puzzle, like little puzzles in a way, like little puzzles or little mind teasers. I like the, I like the brain teaser concept. Cool. I was into like being, you know, I wanted to be a magician as a kid and I love the idea of the illusion where you, where you can, it's all really comes out of psychology too, but it's the illusion. Uh, you, you, you present something and they, and, and they believe it to be this, and at the last moment it flips back around to be this, which causes you to think about life differently in a way. That concept is actually more who I am at, at heart. But along the way, I had you know, a few people tell me, as a kid, they were like, well, you know, Casey, you, you have to pick something. You can't just be 
everything. You have right, to be right. a pick up, be this or be this. You're going to be a photographer or you're going to be a painter or a filmmaker. Pick one. And I, I just thought, well, I, I mean, I, I love painting. I guess that's sort of the way I'll go. Yeah. And from the time I was 13 years old until up until really recently, <laughs> um, I was under the impression that I had to just sort of box everything else away and yeah. just be Mr. Painter. The problem with it is that I've never felt like I could. I, I felt always uncomfortable. My, my whole life was, even, even introducing myself to a new person, I felt awkward a little bit. Like I was <laughs> not being honest because I wasn't showing my full self. Sure. Like, yes, I'm a painter. Hi, I'm a painter. But I wanted to say more. I wanted to show more. I wanted to communicate more. So I was, I've been hiding this, tucked yeah. away this whole other life. And I'm done with that. I, I've decided as of about a year ago, I, I'm doing everything now. I'm just going to go back to my roots cool. and just create in that's every cool. aspect of what that means. So that's going to be, that's going to be all, all on full display in these more three-dimensional works. The next show I'm going to do um, sometime in March is going to be the beginning of this unveiling of, okay. of the, that I have already. Since I decided all this, it just instantly, it was like this tidal wave of inspiration hit me of what yeah, I've been sure. holding back my whole life. All right, all right. And, and in like three days, I planned out like five solo shows for the next few years. And <laughs> all of these ideas hit me. And all, it's like once I unshackled myself from, from, okay, so you can only do paint on canvas. No, no, no. Anything goes. Yeah. You give someone a room or an idea and it could be, I even have a show coming up that I have planned out in like two years that will have no paintings in them. Not a <laughs> single painting. <laughs> Can you give us a, a, any idea of, of what that's going to be like? It's going to be uh, one of those brain teasers that I said. It's sort of, you know, right. it's, so, so this gonna is be... going to be the, uh, you know, I watched, um, I didn't get to see the whole thing, but I watched part of your demo and it was, um, and it was a performance. Yeah, performance. performance it was a performance. Um, and um, so clearly that's, that's inside you, that's driving you. And um, so you're, you're going to bring that back into, uh, in a way that, that doesn't even incorporate painting. Yeah. And, and I, I, I want to be less Mr. Painter, which, which I've been trying to hold on to and just be, how do I say, just creator, artist, right. artist, artist, sure. creator. Because that's really me. So for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm honest now. Yeah. I feel more like me. So it's exciting. And then that show, you'll have to wait and see, but it'll, it'll be um, that's exciting. Sort of interactive type with three-dimensional objects, but sort of interactive type situation that I hope will um, challenge people's minds. Is that something that would take place in a gallery or a theater? Well, I don't like to even use these words. I mean, in my mind, it'll take place in a space. Okay. And the space <laughs> will, whether it be a quote-unquote gallery space, which that can mean many things, or even the word theater could be many things because the theater could be a concert hall. It could be many things. Well, sure. But but in this way, I, I I think this particular one will be less sort of theater where you sit in seats and watch, and more sort of roaming around from and to get to what you asked, more of a gallery type space for this one, uh, as if you're walking through the MoMA and okay. you're you're sort of led through these little Just having different experiences, different experiences as you go through. Exactly, and then after that, there's another show I've planned. It's something else so for the first time i'm just really excited that 
when going back to the word you said vulnerable and yeah. being yourself, that's the topic in which I'm speaking now, which is it is if we when you want to be honest, and sometimes it's difficult to do so because you're afraid of what other people might consider. I was always afraid that people might think, well, he, he's trying to do too many things, he's wearing too many hats, or maybe he just needs to focus or whatever it is. And I realized like, well, who cares? Yeah. And yeah. I can be more pure and honest this way, which is going to make the art better. Yeah. And maybe there's not even a label for what that is. And I don't care. Sure. It doesn't matter. I just yeah. need to do this. That's great. So. Um, yeah. That kind of, uh, in a big way answers, um, one of the questions that I had here was, and I, you know, I think I kind of get a sense of, of that, of this kind of evolution through your work anyway, because I feel like each, and I've sort of, you know, seen your stuff through the Arcadia shows, um, and it it seems like each each show is very different. You're, you're you know, um, the work just seems to be like, obviously the, the quality of the, the work, the, um, you know, the, your painting style is, uh, you know, there's a thread that runs throughout, but just the subject matter, the, uh, <clears throat> um, and may, maybe the way you're producing it, I don't know, but um, it seems like you're at, at the very least, you know, and I guess during that whole time, you're still uh, primarily painter guy, right? Mm. But it, it can definitely see you trying to stretch it and, and not being satisfied um, with kind of what you're doing. Right. <clears throat> and, um, one of my one of the preliminary questions that I had written down was um, we've we've answered it, but I think it'll be interesting to, to just throw it out there. Um, is and now uh, the demo you did uh, yesterday was a large portrait, right? That that is in this conference is you know a lot of atelier trained artists who um, now some do work on that scale, but you're not going to see a whatever that was, three foot by five foot uh, portrait that fills the entire canvas, right? Um, uh, so what I was getting to is um, where do you kind of see, where do you see yourself? Because that's a very sort of contemporary painter thing, I think is the, the big, you know, the big portrait, the big head. Um, and um, so just looking at that, it, it seems like you're kind of placing yourself or, or maybe you feel a little bit more kinship with a more contemporary art movement, although you're bringing to that, um, you know, a, obviously a, a very high level of skill that, that uh, may or may not accompany uh, most of the other artists who are doing that kind of work. Um, but it sounds like now you're sort of, you wouldn't put yourself in any of those places. Um, it's based on what you just described as, as you know. Uh, yeah, I don't ever, I mean, I don't ever think of these boxes. You just, the way, it's funny the way people describe these contemporary, these different, humans love to put things in little boxes so we can all understand that, which is human nature. I do the same thing. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like the world is more fluid. Everything is connected. Da Vinci said the same thing. Everything is connected. There are no separate boxes. We just like to quantify, but there's a gray area in between each box because everything's connected. 
but the point is, I guess when I'm doing all of my work, I don't, I, I kind of just forget about all the boxes anyways, and just do like this, the meditation stuff comes in. Yeah. It's like trying to keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening in contemporary, the contemporary world, obviously, but that's just living life as much as possible in yeah. New York City. But also pulling from the past that I learned sort of traditional techniques, but that's already happened. I can't get rid of that. And then in my mind, I guess it all mixed to get mixes together to produce something. And now the result of that could be quantifiable as being in a specific box of well it's merging contemporary with traditional techniques and you know, but the same and again it's almost impossible to even answer this question if I understand you correctly of where do I see it all going and even doing a large scale portrait on a large painting as a demo or you know quickly is not it's not something that I'm actually like deciding to do in the future it just is one of the, it's almost like you're living life on it's almost like I don't know if you were to ask it's it's I it's, it's as if you were to ask me what am I going to eat for dinner in two weeks right I have no idea so that's kind of a thing where it's, it's like hey based on yeah. Hey Casey, we'd like to have you create something today, and that's and and for you that's sort of like okay. Well, I'll create this based on who I am, where yeah, I am just based on what's happening uh, in this space. Well, you've got hey, there's this um, interesting looking guy. I've got a canvas. Let me do something. Yeah, all this is thrown together last time. I didn't even know who I was painting until three yeah. seconds before it. <laughs> it's also fun to throw yourself in the deep water and not know what to do. It's a fun little challenge, you know? Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, <laughs> I think those moments... Uh, I think those moments are crucial because, um, you know, you can prove a lot to yourself in those moments and, and it just... You just grow immense, immensely. And it's not just... It's not just art, it's it's life. You're teaching yourself that you can handle whatever situation. Yes. And the other thing is, is um, if you had this concept of this thing, this if this thing goes well, it's going to be this. If this thing doesn't go well, it's going to be this. Even if the thing that doesn't, even if the thing that you said, well, if, if this is a failure, it's going to look like this. Even if that happens, who cares? Exactly. I, really I will learn something from the failure and yeah. everyone can see what it looks like. For art to fail there's no downside to it and that comes down to the sort of fear factor yeah. that we humans are always dealing with it's like not being afraid to just try things even if it's uncomfortable it's something yeah. that i'm trying to practice more and more these days do you um that's one thing that i i find really hard um to convey to um students um is that this is a huge process and you have to be willing to fail, be willing to do stuff that you look at as a failure. Um, otherwise you're just, you're never going to get up to that point where you could be really good. It's going to be just this incremental, like, Ooh, I don't want to step too far. Ooh, I don't want to. And you just, and then you never, you never reach that point where you, you dreamed of going. Um, what would you say to, um, I don't know if you're you're in a um, you're teaching a class or or you know you've done many workshops um, and you recognize that in in a person what what have you or, or what would you say to that person the person that 
The person that you get a sense that they're they're scared to mess. Right, right, right. They brought they they paid a lot of money for this workshop. They've brought in this beautiful you know panel canvas, and uh, they're scared to mess it up. I think the only thing that I would say to that is that we we have this idea that failure is bad, and we are almost trying to we were trained to avoid failure. We can only ever succeed. Can only ever only be happy, never be sad, and only <laughs> succeed, yeah. never fail. Yeah, and that's the secret to life. That's what we're taught. That has to go. Yeah, it's great to be sad. It's great to be happy. It's great to succeed, but even to find those terms, it's great to accomplish what you try to accomplish, and it's great to fail because failure is your teacher. Mm-hmm. You should be excited about failing, like looking forward to not accomplishing something so that you now learn from it and in these meditation little moments that I was talking about that's when you digest and analyze and say well why did my last effort not work that's great now I know I figured it out now yeah. I, I will never do that again yeah I know I'd now be more efficient or bring or be more uh, amplify my creativity better I can't wait to fail again <laughs> yeah so when you then you're in front of a canvas as a, a painter and you're like, well, I can't wait to just try things knowing that it's probably not going to work. That should be, but that's going to take a little bit of a reprogramming of the mind because we are brainwashed since infancy uh, to never fail or you're, you're just a terrible person. Yeah, and I, always be happy and everything's great all the time which now social media caters to. If you're not a, a happy, living the most beautiful life on vacation every other day with lots of money, then you shouldn't exist. That's the world we live in, which That's, is ridiculous. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's awful. That's a great point. Um, yeah, it's getting harder and harder for people to accept that uh, you know their life doesn't look like they're on vacation in Hawaii every day. I think eventually we're going to, this is just a theory, and I could be totally wrong, but I think eventually uh, humans are going to start getting a little bit tired of that, a little bored of that, and we're sure. going to start craving the real, the raw. Yeah. We're going to actually start craving the mistake a little bit. Mm. Maybe not everyone, but we're going to start looking for someone who is genuine and real and, and like that's cool. Yeah. To not curate and to not polish and to not Photoshop and to not edit so much. That will be cool. And it's not quite yet, but I, I just have this feeling that that's coming really soon. Yeah, that's. We'll yeah, and hopefully that doesn't go to a dark place, but. Well, even if it does, I mean, <laughs> well, right. find dark, as long as it doesn't go to where. Uh, hurting humanity. Right, 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 right. But maybe humans need to sit with themselves and, and uh, own a few things. Own a few of the, you know, it's almost like we're running from ourselves. But like I said, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel. That's what it comes down to. It's, come, it's okay to feel. Yeah. It's okay to feel these emotions instead of, you know, run from them. We run, we run, we polish, we pretend, and all of a sudden we have, it's going to explode. It's going to explode. And when the whole, when all humanity is trying to polish and edit and hide what, what's happening, it's going to explode into something that hopefully, like you said, that it doesn't go to a dark place. All right. Um, well, so 
tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, my impression is that for a while you've been able to make a good living off of selling paintings. And that's a place that I don't think a whole lot of artists are. And almost every artist that you would talk to wants to be in that place. Um, is that something that sort of developed for you early on by having kind of early success? Um, and I don't know how much of that had to do with, uh, you know, the time you spent with Richard Schmidt or, um, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's all, uh, all based on uh, uh, the work being of high quality. I'm not, I'm not saying um, a relationship with, with Schmidt did anything for you in that sense, but um, I don't know what, what's, what maybe set you on that path that uh, may be different th that other people haven't been able to um, um, do that for themselves? That's a tricky one. Yeah. Uh, not because I, I feel like I know the answer, but I don't like the answer. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> That's being vulnerable. Yeah, this <laughs> is being very vulnerable. I, I think there's, I don't know, I just know myself right now. I can't speak for anyone else, but yeah. for whatever reason, since I can remember being the tiniest child, I've always loved what I, what I this is how I'm going to phrase it, the art of the psychology of business. And I, I don't like the word business in terms of like the money-making business. It's more of like the psychology of exchanging something for something else. That's the simplest way I can put uh -huh. it. For instance, I, the, my first business what was I didn't know what business was back then, but it was I just loved the idea. I would go out. And I we had no, I grew up. We had no money or anything. But I just grew up in the middle of the mountains in Georgia, and I would go out and collect these pretty rocks. You know, and I'm like five years old, <laughs> and I would collect these pretty rocks, and I would look at each rock, and I would create a story around each rock, like why, where, where it came from, which part of the the forest I found it, and why it looks the way it does, and I would build this little like you know, Charlie Brown and Lucy psychiatric health box and sit up <laughs> by the street and put these little rocks out and I would charge different prices for them. And it was, it was the most fun thing for me to, to attach. It was like, I knew that these people didn't care about rocks right? and they're, they're adults, you know, of course they're just buying cause I'm a little kid. But in my mind, it was more like these people are walking into the situation not knowing anything about this. They don't care. Yeah. And I can't wait to make them care about it yeah. because I care about it. That, that, that exact thought is who, still who I am today in everything. It's the same as art. Yeah. I make something with mud that I care about and I can't wait to make someone who doesn't care about it care about it. Wow. Now, yeah. taking that from there, my earliest being five years old and charging a dollar for a rock I found on the ground because I make them love it because I'm showing them how much I love it. And let me explain to you why I love it. So I guess the answer, which I don't like this answer is I've, I've been, I just was born loving that process and that trickled into then obviously create more art that's better art. Yeah. And then, and, and so I guess there's two sides to it though. It's, the one side is the art that doesn't care about the money, but it's even the business is not really about the money. It's more like create something to talk someone into seeing something or, or thinking a certain way, the way that I find, you know, the way I would, my, 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 I guess my perspective on it. And then the business side of that would be, how can I get 
people to look at something that they don't care about and enjoy it the way I care about it. Not to force feed you, but just to at least see it yeah. from my perspective and see what it means to me. Maybe that's a weird narcissistic way to look at it, but I, I feel like that's yeah. I mean, everyone should do that. That's what I appreciate what other people I, do. I think that's, that's exactly what's um, sort of addictive about this profession is that you're making a profound, you have a connection to something, you painted something, you painted, you, you made that piece of art for a reason and it has, and it means something to you. When someone else buys that painting, that's an incredible, powerful experience and feeling that, you know, for me or whatever, for anybody, you're sitting in the studio alone, you create this thing, and, and I think for the most part, people don't discuss this thing that they're creating with anyone else while they're creating it. You just, it's, it's, it's you're totally 100% your creation. And then the fact that someone else could look at that and go, I, I want that. Like, I get that. And I, you know what it comes down to, yeah. I realized recently, it's very interesting. It's, it's at its root, if you think about it. It's an exchange of life. Think about this. I'm putting my time, yeah. my life into an object. And when I sell that, they're giving me money, which is time of their life earned. Yeah. So we're actually exchanging life when we do this. That is so fascinating to me to think yeah. about. Which in a way, it's this bartering of life. I'm receiving their life that they've worked hard for, and they're receiving my life. And, and then what do they benefit from that? My life, which would be the, a viewpoint or, you know, uh, a, an experience that they can feel something. And then I guess if we're talking dollars here, I get the, the money from them, which money is irrelevant, it's freedom. Yeah. So I'm buying from them a life which turns into freedom for me to keep creating. And they're exchanging their life for an experience which gives them a feeling to keep living. And that to me at its root is such a beautiful thing, which bypasses all of this like, let's figure out how to make money Let's be, you know, all, but at its root, though, that's how simple it is. And if you think of it this way, though, it actually, in a way, might benefit the business side of things. If you're really thinking about what's yeah. happening here, right? You know? No, I think that's, I think that's fantastic, and that, that, um, you know, can can put people's focus in a different place, um, and bring actually help bring uh, more into their artwork if it's not about like, well. You know, flowers are selling well. Seem to be doing well. You know, let me set up, let me set up these flowers and paint today. Um, exactly. So, well, that's that. That's such a great answer. I, I really appreciate that because that must have been such a powerful experience to see something in these rocks that sort of you know whatever it was the color or whatever whatever connection you had to it and then and then have someone else exchange like you like you mm -hmm. said you know, exchange their part of their life in, in the mm -hmm. form of money to, to take that. And then, and then of course, you know, when, when you sell a painting, that thing goes home and takes on a life of its own mm -hmm. with them. And now they, you know, it's just, um, mm -hmm. the whole thing is just, <laughs> as you said, like life giving. So it's the life exchange. Yeah. Life yeah. exchanges. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so what, outside of that, um, and I think that's, that, I think that's profound just in, in possibly shifting people's, um, 
the way they think about their own work. Um, what would you say to, you know, because most people don't have the experience that you have, the, the, um, the success, you know, at a pretty early age. What would you say to someone who's, let's say, mid-20s, um, coming out of an atelier today, how would you advise them on um, just kind of getting their career off the ground? Uh, I'm going to preface my answer by saying that aside from looking at my own self and in my past, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm looking at people that I've watched Oh, after 13 years of teaching workshops like private classes, mm-hmm. I think the one common thread of success that I've seen is the, pretty much the only thing I can pin down that makes a successful artist or anything else for that matter is an element of pure passion. Because if you're passionate, you're more you're confident. If you're passionate, you're not afraid of fear. Or even if you are afraid, you're so passionate that it overwhelms your fear. Yeah. I preface all this by saying that is really the number one thing. However, <laughs> passion isn't something that I found that can that I can you could teach and you can inspire for a while. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm prefacing all this by saying that the people who are going to make this don't need me to tell them what I'm about to say. Right. In this way. They're right. gonna make it anyway. Right. And that's now maybe point. they might yeah. get there faster, and that's something I do believe in. If anything, like in teaching, it's me trying to help these passionate people get to where they're going faster. Uh-huh. They can skip a few mistakes. However, a person who is not going to get there will never get there, no matter what I say or anyone else says. So I guess the answer is Feed your passion and rely on your passion and let nothing stop you. There's no, there's no, it's sink or swim. You drop yourself in the deep water. You don't listen to anyone. You listen to them. Well, what's the word? You hear them, but you don't listen to them. You, You listen to yourself. Be a sponge to the world. Absorb every, don't run. I see, oh, there's these artists who are like, I don't want anything in the world to affect me. I just want to be myself. Are you that influenced? Like, let everything affect you and still be yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's the answer. Right. Let everything affect you. Let everything absorb into you and then be yourself based on what you believe after that. Don't run from it. Own it. So own yourself. Don't run from it. Have no fear. Be determined. Don't be afraid of failing. Be passionate and and don't listen to any other... You, you see your path, you take that path. That's, that's the answer. That's what I would tell anyone like this. Yeah. And, and I don't see, you'll never fail. No matter what, there's, you know, whatever, however you define success or failure, but you, you will succeed in your life and what you want to do with that sort of formula that I found. <clears throat> um, that's, that's a great answer. Totally agree. Um, with that frame of mind, uh, the, there's nothing that there's nothing that can stop you. You're just gonna go. Going back to what we talked about earlier about failure, right? So <laughs> let's say that that person goes out in the world and something that they tried for doesn't happen. It, 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 they just work around it or move in a different direction. 
Well, sure, and, and I'll, I'll add one little last thought that I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is uh, speaking of uh, resistance or uncomfortability, uh, being uncomfortable, uh, and, I, and I mean that like this, you know, when we were talking about the whole brainwash thing, and you know, we're not allowed to be sad, we can only be happy, and we're, we're you know, humans are not allowed to fail, you want to succeed. I think um, we don't put enough thought or emphasis into the idea of actually being like looking forward to and inviting a little bit of an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. I think that is the key to growth. Yeah. Now, everyone's running from it, looking for this paradise of, uh, are you not comfortable? Are you too hot? Are you too cold? Like, be more comfortable. That's for some reason, whatever, <laughs> you know. No, no, no. Always be a little bit uncomfortable. Always. Because in that, you actually channel these, you channel more out of yourself. Like, for instance, not to use myself necessarily as an example, but part of the reason why I did the demo yesterday the way I did, I've never done that before. Like a huge canvas and a face really big and I'm running across the room and it was really scary. <laughs> and I didn't know what was going to happen. That was, that pulled something out of me I never knew I had. That would have never happened if I was comfortable. Comfortable would have been 8 by 12 canvas, simple model, same lighting I always use, same colors I always use, same brushes. You know, give me two and a half hours, put my music on, we're good. You know what happens when that's done? I've learned nothing. I'm the same person I was before. Anyone else who saw me paint has learned nothing. Everyone's comfortable and everything's nice. No. No, no, no. Invite uncomfortable situations. Invite resistance just to see how you climb the mountain. Yeah. Learn something about yourself. Learn what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. And what you're not capable of, maybe you can work on that a little bit. Maybe you thought you could climb up that mountain and you can't quite climb that high. You're in shape. Well, let's work on Let's work out a little bit. Let's get in shape. You know, that kind of stuff. Invite yeah. resistance into your life a little bit. A little bit. That, you know, I think that's, that's a, a, obviously that's a, a different approach than most people would take. But I think uh, what's interesting about that is that um, you're taking a situation like that and not looking at it um, entirely as, okay, well, I'm going to be on stage and, um, you know, the focus is on the people that are watching, but you're taking that situation and making it, turning it into, what can I get out of it? Well, and, and, I, and I mean that in a very genuine way because no, no, as it comes yeah. back around, the audience is still part of, they're, they're living this with me. Right. So in a way, I'm inviting resistance into their life. And I heard so many people afterwards say like, I felt your struggle, I felt what you, that's the point. It wasn't like, yeah. I'm not doing this for you. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for us. Well, I think we're all in this together. Yeah, I mean, in a in a totally positive way, and I think that uh, I think if 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 we approach everything in that way, in in a in a way that's like, um, I'm going to be in this situation. How can I push myself? What what can I get out of this? Everyone else is going to benefit, um, like you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the shift there the focus for you in that situation or anyone in that situation is a little bit different i think that's interesting i think that's cool that you're taking that situation and and making it something 
that you're going to pull something out of. It's not just going to be another day of you sitting in front of a group of people doing a demo. You're going to take that situation and turn it into something that's that you take something out of specifically. And in turn, everyone else who's watching goes, wow, that was cool. You know, like you said, that lady said, I, I, I felt your struggle or... Um, <clears throat> But whatever, I, I think I think people had a, a variety of, of reactions. Some people were just simply entertained. Some people, you know, said, oh, my gosh. You know, they probably maybe have, had a little bit of anxiety saying, oh, God, what's he doing? How's he going to get out of this? Or, you know, so um, but anyway, but but just that little shift of you say of you being in your head going, what can I get out of this? Um, I think has, it just has a huge impact on a situation. I'm challenge myself. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, well, we're, we're about at our time. Is there anything you want to, any kind of final thoughts you uh, have uh, that you want to leave people I'm looking forward to with? rushing over and seeing uh, Philip C. Teresa uh, All right. finish her demo. Let's do it. Another couple minutes for that. So, uh, no, but thank you so much for allowing me to sit here with you. And this has been some good conversation. You brought up good points. And it's nice to sort of verbalize these thoughts because it's sort of, uh, it's it's confirming in my own mind what I already believe. This is almost like a time of meditation, a form of meditation in a way. Yeah. I mean, what I believe and listening to your take on these things as well, which is unique. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Every every day is a new day of change and growth. So it's it's fun to see where we're at today. And uh, maybe next time we do this, we'll see where we're at next time. Great man. Well, I want to thank you again for for. Um, taking the time to do this on incredibly short notice and yeah it's been just a awesome. really fantastic conversation so thank you yeah thanks David. All right. okay thanks again to Casey Baugh for a fascinating conversation I want to give a shout out to the Atelier Dojo in Austin Texas and its founders Jennifer Balkin Karen Offit Denise Fulton Karen Manness I am teaching figure drawing there right now, and I love it. Um, they have just done a beautiful job of setting up the studio there. Um, so if you come through Austin, make sure uh, you drop by for a little visit. And if you'd like to attend classes or workshops or teach a workshop in Austin, go ahead and contact the fine folks at Atelier Dojo in Austin, Texas. Um, if you'd like to contribute financially to the production of this podcast, you can do that by going to the podcast page at dannygrantfineart.com and by clicking the donate button in the top right corner. If you're listening on iTunes, go ahead and give us a rating of six and a quarter stars out of five. That is always helpful to keep this podcast visible on iTunes. And a special thanks to Trevor Smith at Streamline Publishing for recording this interview you can email me, danny at dannygrantfineart.com if you want to drop me a line for any reason. And uh, that's all I got. So I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Mm -hmm.